Chapter 3.26, Part 5 of Personal Narrative of Travels to the Equinoctial Regions of America during the years 1799 to 1804, Volume 3 by Alexander von Humboldt, translated by Thomasina Ross. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 3.26, Part 5 We continued our passage on the following day and were surprised at the depth of the channels between the Caracas Islands, where the sloop worked her way through them, almost touching the rocks. How much do these calcareous inlets, of which the form and direction, call to mind the great catastrophe that separated from them the mainland, differ in aspect from the volcanic archipelago on the north of Lanzarote, where the hills of basalt seem to have been heaved up from the bottom of the sea. Numbers of pelicans and of flamingos, which fished in the nooks, or harassed the pelicans, in order to seize their prey, indicated our approach to the coast of cumana it is curious to observe at sunrise how the sea-birds suddenly appear and animate the scene reminding us in the most solitary regions of the activity of our cities at the dawn of day at nine in the morning we reach the gulf of cariaco which serves as a roadstead to the town of cumana the hill crowned by the castle of san antonio stood out prominent from its whiteness on the dark curtain of the inland mountains we gazed with interest on the shore where we first gathered plants in america and where some months later m bonpland had been in such danger among the cactuses that rise in columns twenty feet high appear the indian huts of the guayqueries every part of the landscape was familiar to us the forest of cactus the scattered huts and that enormous ceiba beneath which we loved to bathe at the approach of night our friends at cumana came out to meet us men of all castes whom our frequent herborizations had brought into contact with us expressed the greater joy at sight of us as a report that we had perished on the banks of the orinoco had been current for several months these reports had their origin either in the severe illness of m bonpland or in the fact of our boat having been nearly lost in a gale above the mission of uruana we hastened to visit the governor don vicente amparan whose recommendations and constant solicitude had been so useful to us during the long journey we had just terminated he procured for us in the centre of the town a house which though perhaps too lofty in a country exposed to violent earthquakes was extremely useful for our instruments we enjoyed from its terraces a majestic view of the sea of the isthmus of araya and the archipelago of the islands of caracas picuita and boracha the port of cumana was every day more and more closely blockaded and the vain expectation of the arrival of spanish packets detained us two months and a half longer we were often nearly tempted to go to the danish islands which enjoyed a happy neutrality but we feared that if we left the spanish colonies we might find some obstacles to our return with the ample freedom which in a moment of favour had been granted to us we did not consider it prudent to hazard anything that might give umbrage to the local authorities. We employed our time in completing the flora of Cumana, geologically examining the eastern part of the peninsula of Araya, and observing many eclipses of satellites, which confirmed the longitude of the place already obtained by other means. We also made experiments on the extraordinary refractions, on evaporation, and on atmospheric electricity the living animals which we had brought from the orinoco were objects of great curiosity to the inhabitants of cumana the capuchin of the esmeralda simia chiropotes which so much resembles man in the expression of its physiognomy 
and the sleeping monkey, Simia trivergata, which is the type of a new group, had never yet been seen on that coast. We destined them for the menagerie of the Jardin des Plantes at Paris. The arrival of a French squadron, which had failed in an attack on Curaçao, furnished us, unexpectedly, with an excellent opportunity for sending them to Guadeloupe, and General Jeannet, together with the commissary Brousseau, agent of the executive power at the Antilles, promised to convey them. The monkeys and birds died at Guadeloupe, but fortunately the skin of the Simia Chiropotes, the only one in Europe, was sent a few years ago to the Jardin des Plantes, where the Cujillo, Simia satanus, and the Stentor, or Alouette, of the steppes of Caracas, Simia ursina, had already been received. The arrival of so great a number of French military officers, and the manifestation of political and religious opinions not altogether conformable with the interests of the governments of Europe, excited singular agitation in the population of Cumana. The governor treated the French authorities with the forms of civility consistent with the friendly relations subsisting at that period between France and Spain. In the streets the colored people crowded round the agent of the French directory, whose dress was rich and theatrical. White men, too, with indiscreet curiosity, whenever they could make themselves understood, made inquiries concerning the degree of influence granted by the Republic to the colonists in the government of Guadeloupe. The king's officers doubled their zeal in furnishing provision for the little squadron. Strangers, who boasted that they were free, appeared to these people troublesome guests, and in a country of which the growing prosperity depended on clandestine communication with the islands, and on a freedom of trade forced from the ministry, the European Spaniards extolled the wisdom of the old code of laws, Leas de Indias, which permitted the entrance of foreign vessels into their ports only in extreme cases of want or distress. These contrasts between the restless desires of the colonists and the distrustful apathy of the government throw some light on the great political events which, after long preparation, have separated Spain from her colonies. We again passed a few agreeable days, from the 3rd to the 5th of November, at the peninsula of Araya, situated beyond the Gulf of Cariaco, opposite to Cumana. Note. I have already described the pearls of Araya, its sulphurous deposits and submarine springs of liquid and colorless petroleum. See volume 1.5. End of note. We were informed that the Indians carried to the town from time to time considerable quantities of native alum found in the neighboring mountains. The specimens shown to us sufficiently indicated that it was neither alunite, similar to the rock of Tolfa and Piombino, nor those capillary and silky salts of alkaline sulphate of alumina and magnesia that line the clefts and cavities of rocks, but real masses of native alum with a conchoidal or imperfectly lamellar fracture. We were led to hope that we should find the mine of alum, Mina de Alun, in the slaty cordillera of Maniquarez, and so a new geological phenomenon was calculated to rivet our attention. The priest, Juan Gonzalez, and the treasurer, Don Manuel Navarrete, who had been useful to us from our first arrival on this coast, accompanied us in our little excursion. We disembarked near Cape Caney, and again visited the ancient salt pit, which is converted into a lake by the eruption of the sea, the fine ruins of the castle of Araya, and the calcareous mountain of the Barigon, which, from its steepness on the western side, is somewhat difficult of access. Muriatiferous clay, mixed with bitumen and lenticular gypsum, and sometimes passing to a darkish-brown clay, devoid of salt, 
is a formation widely spread through this peninsula in the island of margareta and on the opposite continent near the castle of san antonio de cumana probably the existence of this formation has contributed to produce those ruptures and rents in the ground which strike the eye of the geologist when he stands on one of the eminences of the peninsula of araya the cordillera of this peninsula composed of mica slate and clay slate is separated on the north from the chain of mountains of the island of margareta which are of a similar composition by the channel of cubagua and on the south it is separated from the lofty calcareous chain of the continent by the gulf of cariaco the whole intermediate space appears to have been heretofore filled with muriatiferous clay and no doubt the continual erosions of the ocean have removed this formation and converted the plain first into lakes then into gulfs and finally into navigable channels the account of what has passed in the most modern times at the foot of the castle of araya the eruption of the sea into the ancient salt pit the formation of the laguna de chacopata and a lake four leagues in length which cuts the island of margareta nearly into two parts afford evident proofs of these successive erosions in the singular configuration of the coasts in the morro of chacopata in the little islands of the Caribbees, the lobos and tunal in the great island of coche and the capes of carnero and manglier there still seem to be apparent the remains of an isthmus which stretching from north to south formerly joined the peninsula of araya to the island of margareta in that island a neck of very low land three thousand toises long and less than two hundred toises broad conceals on the northern sides the two hilly groups known by the names of la vega de san juan and the macanao the laguna grande of margareta has a very narrow opening to the south and small boats pass by portage over the neck of land or northern dike though the waters on these shores seem at present to recede from the continent it is nevertheless very probable that in the lapse of ages either by an earthquake or by a sudden rising of the ocean the long island of margareta will be divided into two rocky islands of a trapezoidal form the limestone of the barigon which is part of the great formation of sandstone or calcareous breccia of cumana is filled with fossil shells in as perfect preservation as those of other tertiary limestones in france and italy we detached some blocks containing oysters eight inches in diameter pectins venuses and lithophyte polypi i recommend to naturalists better versed in the knowledge of fossils than i then was to examine with care this mountainous coast which is easy access to european vessels in their way to cumana guayra or curaçao it would be curious to discover whether any of these shells and these species of petrified zoophyte still inhabit the seas of the west indies as m bonpland conjectured and as is the case in the island of timor and perhaps in guadeloupe we sailed on the fourth of november at one o'clock in the morning in search of the mine of native alum i took with me the chronometer and my large dolon telescope intending to observe at the laguna chica small lake east of the village of maniquarez the immersion of the first satellite of jupiter this design however was not accomplished contrary winds having prevented our arrival before daylight the spectacle of the phosphorescence of the ocean and the sports of the porpoises which surrounded our canoe somewhat atoned for this disappointment we again passed those spots where springs of petroleum gush from mica slate at the bottom of the sea and the smell of which is perceptible from a considerable distance when it is recollected that farther eastward near cariaco 
the hot and submarine waters are sufficiently abundant to change the temperature of the gulf at its surface we cannot doubt that the petroleum is the effect of distillation at an immense depth issuing from those primitive rocks beneath which lies the focus of all volcanic commotion the laguna chica is a cove surrounded by perpendicular mountains and connected with the gulf of cariaco only by a narrow channel twenty-five fathoms deep it seems like the fine port of acapulco to owe its existence to the effect of an earthquake a beach shows that the sea is here receding from the land as on the opposite coast of cumana the peninsula of araya which narrows between cape mero and cape las minas to one thousand four hundred toises is little more than four thousand toises in breadth near the laguna chica reckoning from one sea to the other we had to cross this distance in order to find the native alum and to reach the cape called the punta de chuparuparu the road is difficult only because no path is traced and between precipices of some depth we were obliged to step over ridges of bare rock the strata of which are much inclined the principal point is nearly two hundred and twenty toises high but the mountains as it often happens in a rocky isthmus display very singular forms the paps tetas of chacopata and cariaco midway between the laguna chica and the town of cariaco are peaks which appear isolated when viewed from the platform of the castle of cumana the vegetable earth in this country is only thirty toises above sea level sometimes there is no rain for the space of fifteen months if however a few drops fall immediately after the flowering of the melons and gourds they yield fruit weighing from sixty to seventy pounds notwithstanding the apparent dryness of the air i say apparent dryness for my hygrometric observations prove that the atmosphere of cumana and araya contains nearly nine-tenths of the quantity of water vapour necessary to its perfect saturation it is this air at once hot and humid that nourishes those vegetable reservoirs the cucurbitaceous plants the agaves and melocactuses half buried in the sand when we visited the peninsula the preceding year there was a great scarcity of water the goats for want of grass died by hundreds during our stay at the orinoco the order of the seasons seemed to be entirely changed at araya cochen and even in the island of margareta it had rained abundantly and those showers were remembered by the inhabitants in the same way as a fall of aerolites would be noted in the recollection of the naturalists of europe the indian who was our guide scarcely knew in what direction we should find the alum he was ignorant of its real position this ignorance of localities characterizes almost all the guides here who are chosen from among the most indolent class of the people we wandered for eight or nine hours among rocks totally bare of vegetation the mica slate passes sometimes to clay slate of a darkish grey i was again struck by the extreme regularity in the direction and inclination of the strata they run north fifty degrees east inclining from sixty to seventy degrees northwest this is the general direction which i had observed in the nice granite of caracas and the orinoco in the hornblende slates of angostura and even in the greater part of the secondary rocks we had just examined the beds over a vast extent of land make the same angle with the meridian of the place they present a parallelism which may be considered as one of the great geologic laws capable of being verified by precise measures advancing towards cape chuparuparu the veins of quartz that cross the mica slate increase in size we found some from one to two toises broad full of small fasciculated crystals of rutile titanite we sought in vain for cyanite 
which we had discovered in some blocks near Maniquarez. Farther on, the mica slate presents not veins, but little beds of graphite or carburetted iron. They are from two to three inches thick, and have precisely the same direction and inclination as the rock. Graphite, in primitive soils, marks the first appearance of carbon on the globe, that of carbon uncombined with hydrogen. It is anterior to the period when the surface of the earth became covered with monocotyledonous plants. From the summit of those wild mountains there is a majestic view of the island of Margareta. Two groups of mountains already mentioned, those of Macanao and La Vega de San Juan, rise from the bosom of the waters. The capital of the island, La Asuncion, the port of Pampatar, and the villages of Pueblo de la Mar, Pueblo del Norte, and San Juan, belong to the second and most easterly of these groups. The western group, the Macanao, is almost entirely uninhabited. The isthmus that divides these large masses of mica slate was scarcely visible. Its form appeared changed by the effect of the mirage, and we recognized the intermediate part through which runs the Laguna Grande, only by two small hills of a sugar-loaf form, in the meridian of the Punta de Piedras. Nearer, we look down on the small desert archipelago of the four Moros del Tulan, the Caribbee, and the Lobos Islands. After much vain search, we at length found, before we descended to the northern coast of the peninsula of Araya, in a ravine of very difficult access, Arroyo del Robalo, the mineral which had been shown to us at Cumaná. The mica slate changed suddenly into carburetted and shining clay slate. It was an ampelite, and the waters, for there are small springs in those parts, and some have recently been discovered near the village of Maniquarez, were impregnated with yellow oxide of iron, and had a styptic taste. We found the sides of the neighboring rocks, lined with capillary sulfate of alumina in effervescence, and real beds, two inches thick, full of native alum, extending as far as the eye could reach, in the clay slate. The alum is grayish-white, somewhat dull on the surface, and of an almost glassy luster internally. Its fracture is not fibrous, but imperfectly conchoidal. It is slightly translucent when its fragments are thin, and has a sweetish and astringent taste, without any bitter mixture. When on the spot, I proposed to myself the question whether this alum, so pure, and filling beds in the clay slate without leaving the smallest void, be of a formation contemporary with the rock, or whether it be of a recent, and in some sort secondary origin, like a muriate of soda, found sometimes in small veins, where strongly concentrated springs traverse beds of gypsum or clay. In these parts nothing seems to indicate a process of formation likely to be renewed in our days. The slaty rock exhibits no open cleft, and none is found parallel with the direction of the slates. It may also be inquired whether this aluminous slate be a transition formation lying on the primitive mica slate of Araya, or whether it owe its origin merely to a change of composition and texture in the beds of mica slate. I lean to the latter proposition, for the transition is progressive, and the clay slate, thonschiefer, and mica slate appear to me to constitute here but one formation. The presence of cyanite, rutile titanite, and garnets, and the absence of Lydian stone, and all fragmentary or arenaceous rocks, seem to characterize the formation we describe as primitive. It is asserted that even in Europe, ampelite and greenstone are found, though rarely, in slates anterior to transition slate. When, in 1785, after an earthquake, a great rocky mass was broken off in the Arroyo del Robalo, the Guayqueris de los Cerritos 
collected fragments of alum five or six inches in diameter, extremely pure and transparent. It was sold in my time at Cumana to the dyers and tanners, at the price of two reals per pound, while alum from Spain cost twelve reals. Note, the real is about six and one-half English pence. End of note. This difference of price was more the result of prejudice and of the impediments to trade than of the inferior quality of the alum of the country, which is fit for use without undergoing any purification. It is also found in the chain of mica slate and clay slate on the northwest coast of the island of Trinidad, at Margareta, and near Cape Chuparuparo, north of the Cerro del Distiladero. Note. Another place was mentioned to us, west to Bordones, the Puerto Escondido, but that coast appeared to me to be wholly calcareous, and I cannot conceive where could be the situation of ampelite and native alum on this point. Was it in the beds of slaty clay that alternate with the alpine limestone of Cumanacoa? Fibrous alum is found in Europe only in formations posterior to those of transition, in lignites and other tertiary formations belonging to the lignites. End of note. The Indians, who are naturally addicted to concealment, are not inclined to make known the spots whence they obtain native alum, but it must be abundant, for I have seen very considerable quantities of it in their possession at a time. South America at present receives its alum from Europe, as Europe in its turn received it from the natives of Asia previous to the 15th century. Mineralogists before my travels knew no substances which, without addition, calcined or not calcined, could directly yield alum, sulphate of alumina, and potash, except rocks of trachytic formation, and small veins traversing beds of lignite and bituminous wood. Both these substances, so different in their origin, contain all that constitutes alum, that is to say, alumina, sulfuric acid, and potash. The ores of Tolfa, Milo, and Niporigo, those of Montioni, in which silica does not accompany the alumina, the siliceous breccia of Mount Dour, which contains sulphur in its cavities, the aluminiferous rocks of Parad and Bereg in Hungary, which belong also to trachytic and pumice conglomerates, may no doubt be traced to the penetration of sulphurous acid vapours. They are the products of a feeble and prolonged volcanic action, as may easily be ascertained in the sulphatars of Puzzuoli and the peak of Tenerife. The alumina of Tolfa, which, since my return to Europe, I have examined on the spot, conjointly with Gay-Lussac, has, by its erectognostic characters and its chemical composition, a considerable affinity to compact feldspar, which constitutes the basis of so many trachytes and transition porphyries. It is a siliciferous subsulfate of alumina and potash, a compact feldspar, with the addition of sulfuric acid completely formed in it. The waters circulating in these alumiferous rocks of volcanic origin do not, however, deposit masses of native alum, to yield which the rocks must be roasted. I know not of any deposits analogous to those I brought from Cumana, for the capillary and fibrous masses found in veins traversing the beds of lignites, as on the banks of the Egra between Satz and Comatau in Bohemia, or efflorescing in cavities, as in Freienwald in Brandenburg and Segario in Sardinia, are impure salts, often destitute of potash, and mixed with the sulfates of ammonia and magnesia. A slow decomposition of the pyrites, which probably act as so many little galvanic piles, renders the waters alumiferous that circulate across the bituminous lignites and carburetted clays. These waters, in contact with carbonate of lime, even give rise to the deposits of subsulfate in alumina 
destitute of potash, found near Hull, and formerly believed erroneously to be pure alumina belonging, like the porcelain earth, kaolin of mori, to a porphyry of red sandstone. Analogous chemical actions may take place in primitive and transition slates, as well as in tertiary formations. All slates, and this fact is very important, contain nearly 5% of potash, sulfuret of iron, peroxide of iron, carbon, etc. The contact of so many moistened heterogeneous substances must necessarily lead them to a change of state and composition. The efflorescent salts that abundantly cover the aluminous slates of Robalo show how much these chemical effects are favoured by the high temperature of the climate. But, I repeat, in a rock where there are no crevices, no vacuities parallel to the direction and inclination of the strata, native alum, semi-transparent and of conchoidal fracture, completely filling its place, its beds, must be regarded as of the same age with the rock in which it is contained. The term contemporary formation is here taken in the sense attached to it by geologists. In speaking of beds of quartz in clay slate, granular limestone and mica slate are feldspar and gneiss. After having for a long time wandered over barren scenes amidst rocks, entirely devoid of vegetation, our eyes dwelt with pleasure on tufts of Malpigia and Croton, which we found in descending toward the coast. These arborescent crotons are of two new species, very remarkable for their form, and peculiar to the peninsula of Araya. Note. Croton argyrophilus and Croton marginatus. End of note. We arrived too late at the Laguna Chica to visit another rock situated farther east and celebrated by the name of the Laguna Grande or the Laguna del Obispo. Note, Great Lake or Bishop's Lake. End of note. We contented ourselves with admiring it from the height of the mountains that command the view, and, excepting the ports of Ferrol and Acapulco, there is perhaps none presenting a more extraordinary configuration. It is an inland gulf two miles and a half long, from east to west, and one mile broad. The rocks of mica slate that form the entrance of the port leave a free passage only 250 toises broad. The water is everywhere from 15 to 25 fathoms deep. Probably the government of Cumana will one day take advantage of the possession of this inland gulf and of that of Mochima eight leagues east of the bad road of Nueva Barcelona. Note, this is a long narrow gulf, three miles from north to south, similar to the fjords of Norway. End of note. The family of Monsieur Navarrete were waiting for us with impatience on the beach, and though our boat carried a large sail, we did not arrive at Maniquarez before night. We prolonged our stay at Cumana only a fortnight. Having lost all hope of the arrival of a packet from Caruna, we availed ourselves of an American vessel laden at Nueva Barcelona with salt provision for the island of Cuba. We had now passed sixteen months on this coast, and in the interior of Venezuela, and on the 16th of November we parted from our friends at Cumana to make the passage for the third time across the Gulf of Cariaco to Nueva Barcelona. The night was cool and delicious. It was not without emotion that we beheld for the last time the disk of the moon illuminating the summit of the cocoa trees that surround the banks of the Manzanares. The breeze was strong, and in less than six hours we anchored near the Morro of Nueva Barcelona, where the vessel which was to take us to Havana was ready to sail. End of chapter 3.26